Welcome to See Me After Class. This is a podcast by two New Zealand secondary school teachers based in the Southern Alps of New Zealand. We operate out of classrooms that look out over the most stunning mountain ranges in the bottom of the South Island. And it's my pleasure to introduce Renee Plunkett, who is a fourth year English teacher. And sitting here with me is Chris War, a teacher with 17 years under his belt from both overseas and here in New Zealand. And Renee, apart from being a teacher, is also an avid gardener. And Chris also enjoys triathlon. This podcast is about the day-to-day realities and joys and sometimes horrors of our teaching experience in the classroom. So we invite you to listen in and we invite you to give us feedback on what you hear. This is... See me after class. Hi, this is Chris's phone. You can try and leave a message. Chris, I've just come back from Monday morning at yoga class before school, and yes, I can hear you rolling your eyes at that. However, do you want to know what was on my mind during the entire class that I could just not not focus on was the fact that you announced to the world yesterday that I'm technologically inept with my alarm codes. So I would like to set the record straight for you and our listeners. The office angels confirmed to me last week that my code is glitching in the system and therefore I need a new one. So although I set the alarm codes off, it wasn't my fault, I promise. And welcome to episode two of See Me After Class. This week, Renee quite literally phones it in. And as a result, I bring into the podcast someone who I've worked with for a very long time and who is my boss. We also introduce a little bit more detail about our badge and micro-credential project. There's a lot to get through, so let's get started. Here's our first introduction of a new segment called Keep a Lid On It. So it's been not, it hasn't taken me too long to get to this point where I've decided to invite to the podcast my boss, Gina Bagley. Now, I can't really operate in this way without her involvement. And I think the best thing to keep myself safe is to actually bring her in. So we've got a section entitled Keep a Lid on It. And the reason that it's called that is because Gina Bagley, my boss, is also one of my longest oldest friends and over the years that phrase keep a lid on it has been had to be employed in my service to manage my extreme emotional states or extreme reactions to things many times and we decided to make a section of it so Gina welcome along thanks for having me I'm sitting here grinning (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm thinking back to where Keep It Lit On It actually surfaced and then I created obviously a song that I showcased at Toy Fakati and got shut down for it. So there's a bit of shame that comes with Keep It Lit On It for me as well. I think everything I think everything in our educational life has an element of shame attached to it. Which is actually good in terms of thinking of that idea of shame in terms of what we're going to talk about today. Because yeah. that can be something that underpins where we're going. Yeah. That's kind of a nice segue without even having introduced what you're talking about yet. Yeah, I know that's great. And I think that is the thing. This segment's going to be about looking at an area of education. Mm. And the the two of us, Gina and I, have really 
put together a set of philosophies about teaching over the years that we feel very confident in at this point in mm. our teaching lives. I feel we're more solid than ever on our teaching philosophies, on educational principles. Mm. We know where we stand on things. We do. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it makes what we're saying at the moment makes it sound like everything's in concrete for us mm. and we wouldn't shift. But what's more true in my view is that our ideas are tested. And they're tested and coming back to the idea of saying, yes, there is fluidity in them, but at the heart of everything we do are the learners. Yeah. And actually the parents as well. Mm. I know that you agree on that. I I agree on that entirely. Mm. I think, but I also think that's something that's easy to say. Mm. It's easy to say, I'm doing this for the learners. Mm. So uh, that's something that in this keep a lid on it section, Mm. we're going to interrogate. And today we decided to pick one of the holy grails of education, and that is motivation Mm. and in education it's though that thing is often broken into two subsets intrinsic and extrinsic so shall we kind of explain what the two are so extrinsic motivation is obviously that the learner is motivated by generally material objects goods that they can obtain through good work or good behaviors Mm. and often overlooked as intrinsic motivation which is obviously that reward for work, that sense of pride, that sensation of I just did better than possibly I'd done before, and again, which results in pride. And I am trying to teach my own child about which one is of importance. Um, But anyway, that's my take. You talk too. Yeah, well, I I think the thing in teaching is that we've got things we need to achieve and we care a lot about it. And often we'll get to the point where we'll do whatever it takes to get the kids to the place we need them to be, to learn that thing, to demonstrate that skill, to do that difficult task. And I think that can lead to us going down some pretty difficult and possibly even incorrect cul-de-sacs. And one of them is extrinsic motivation. Like I know right now with a group of almost adult year 13s, if I offer them chocolate, I'll get something out of them. Mm. And if I look at it on the surface, then why not do that? It's a couple of dollars and I'll get this outcome that I seek. However, what I'm not acknowledging if I, if I fall prey to that motive for them is that I'm, I'm actually disabling their internal motivation. I'm replacing what, what should come from within with something external and ephemeral and ultimately meaningless. And in doing that, I think I'm demeaning everything we do in the classroom. I think I'm undermining myself when I do that. And you're actually fueling an ugly part of society that currently exists, which is instant gratification. Mm. So we have so many human beings that everything must be immediate. Yeah. And the reward must be immediate, which is the likes, which is the block of chocolate if you bought them that so that they can get the work done quickly because then there's a reward for doing something that actually they should just want to do so that they are better human beings, yeah. so and that they are well-rounded, so that, as I often say to my year 13 class about reading The Handmaid's Tale, so that you can sit across the dinner table when you're 40 and you've read a classic text and you're able to talk about these ideas and you're educated, yeah. you're knowledgeable, but, but these, it's often overlooked. Those things, but of course these other things, these other sort of intrinsic satisfactions that mm. come from learning or any other endeavour, they're abstract. They're not they're abstractions. Mm-hmm. They're not things that you can put a concrete frame around and say, this is what you're going to get because it's also not transactional. Mm. We give you this, you get that. And because things aren't as clear-cut as that, 
it's difficult to sell them. And my view is that you don't sell it. You don't say you're doing this because it's going to do you good or because you will feel uh, fulfillment because essentially that's going back down the extrinsic motivation line anyway. What we have to encourage in our classrooms is the experience of being fulfilled after having done hard work. Mm -hmm. We have to create an environment where hard work is the ethos and where they form, they come to their own conclusions about why it was that they should try hard or overcome an anxiety or test their ideas in front of others. And it and at the point where they feel that moment of satisfaction, at the point when the, when, the, when the fulfillment starts to arise within them, then it's time for us to articulate it and say, you're feeling good now because you've achieved something worthwhile through a process of working hard, and I can see it. And that's allowing us to help them to bring to their consciousness that unconscious process of being internally motivated. They understand how it comes about. If we don't go through that more sophisticated process with them, if we just give them chocolate, yes, we might get the exam results at the end of the year, but we're not sending the kids out into the world with the fundamental understanding of themselves and how to function for their own fulfillment that they need to survive and thrive. And I think it's very important that we stop looking at those short-term outcomes as being a measure of our performance. I think it's interesting because at this point in time, it's really important to raise the fact that I, I believe that extrinsic rewards are offered because people, educators, I'm going to offend some people who are listening, don't want to put in the hard yards themselves. Yeah, as usual, the alarm is going off and everybody's just sitting stationary waiting for it to stop. As is so often the case in an institution, you just get to a crucial moment and the fire alarm goes off. We'll return to that conversation next week. In the meantime, Renee's got a message for you all. Hi, Chris. I feel like I have to ask um, how you are because I don't think that we've really seen each other this week. It has been such a busy one and when I was sitting down looking at our calendars today, I realised that we only have one hour in the week where our timetables actually line up this year. So I'm really glad that we've booked that out and set it aside because it can be our time each week. So between triathlons and now my family visiting, um, we haven't had much time to sit down and actually debrief the week. And what a week it has been. I was so excited to pick Rosemary up from the airport on Monday and spend an hour with her on the way home. What a wonderful woman she is. I think possibly uh, what I enjoyed the most was that she took me right back to the beginning of the project and I got to revisit some of the initial reasons that I jumped on board with you in this um, this project. And I think it can be really easy to forget and to forget to reflect on those initial concepts and interests. Um, so it was it was really nice. It was a really nice moment. Um, and then obviously we had that delightful dinner with her and I particularly enjoyed listening to her speak about the first person that she deems um, as having made a large impact on her. And I think it just it helps you to remember that we're in such a privileged role as a teacher and even if we spark one of the smallest changes in any of our students, um, it's just something I feel really honoured to have um, a chance to do. So... 
Then we got a Tuesday, which was just equally as exciting, and obviously we had Nina and Annette down um, as well to, to sit in on the workshop, but um, just under 20 teachers, support staff and parents, all in the same room discussing um, some of the fundamental concepts of the project, some of the things that we hope to see come out of this. What's, it was just so, it was such an awesome day. Um, I think it makes me think about that the things that I get to see in, in my classroom, and I'm sure that you do too, um, they astound me every day. And I think it would be fair to borrow from Fitzgerald, as you know, I have a bit of a thing for, for F. Scott Fitzgerald, um, at this time and say that I'm just in awe of the inexhaustible variety of life that comes through our doors every single day. Um, and student agency is, as we've discussed on Tuesday and previously, such a buzz phrase right now. And everywhere, everyone's talking about the fact that we need to increase our student agency and it's a positive thing and that we all have to encourage our students to exercise control over their own learning. And I think it's a really interesting concept. Um, and then when you put it into practice and you've got 30 different persons personalities in the same room for an hour four times a week it becomes a totally different um totally different beast really um nevertheless I think that and as again we've discussed this week our project has a really unique way of doing exactly this um something that we that I talked about oh here's my cat hello Tinky you can hear the bells she catches birds um Something that I think that was really interesting to hear everybody's um, take on was, do we actually want to increase student agency within an educational context? And do we know what kind of impact this will have? And as you rightly said on Tuesday, it could result in absolute chaos coming out. So I think this is one of um, the most interesting um facets of the project that I'm sure we'll have a lot of time to debate and discuss and to hopefully collect some concrete data on. Um, and finally, just before I do go, because it is now half past 11 at night and my family is in bed, so I have stolen some time, um, one of the highlights of my week actually happened in period five today. I teach a year 10, one of my year 10 classes for that final period of the week. And People often roll their eyes at me when I say that because year 10's English, period 5, hot classroom, what could go wrong? Uh, but I, I love it. I love it. And today, um, with the last sort of week or so, we've been reading Romeo and Juliet. Today they started arguing about who would get to read the different parts in the play. All right, and we've hit that moment where Romeo and Juliet are going to meet across the room at the masquerade ball. And, oh, it was such a buzz for me. And when that happens, I, I just I start to see how they are beginning to see how exciting Shakespeare can be, and English, actually. So it was a wonderful moment. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm really looking forward to actually seeing you next week. Um, but until then, it's me done. Renee, I just got your message, and... Such an exciting week it's been. I spent all day at the triathlon today, and the kids were amazing. About 200 of our students ended up swimming, biking, and running their way around our local area, all doing something amazing for themselves. But I just wanted to quickly respond to your message, full of interesting stuff, which we'll come back to next week with this little excerpt from my classroom in relation to Romeo and Juliet. So you've decided to show your face here, Ben. I think you're making your parents even cold. Get ready to be smashed. <laughs>
more like I'm gonna smash you. Prepare to look up at us from the bottom of the podium. Prepare to lose. In your dreams, catch you off the fight. Good luck, you'll need it. And the coolest part of that is there is absolutely a badge for reinterpreting a scene from a Shakespearean play. So they're gonna be very pleased with themselves when they find that out. Renee's gonna be back next week and we'll be focusing in a lot of detail on this project that we keep referring to. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week.